Thanks so much for joining us today. We're having a conversation that sometimes isn't easy to have, but it can be easy. So thanks so much for being with us today. We're talking Parents Empowered Back to School and Underage Drinking preve uh, Prevention. That is Doug Murakami from Parents Empowered, the chair from the DABC joining us, and also Heidi Peterson, the regional director. Thanks for being here to be a part of this conversation. Thanks for having us. I thank you. I love having conversations like this. I know at my house, around the dinner table, my kids have grown up knowing they're free to talk about anything, ask anything, and sometimes it's a little shocking when neighbor kids come over or whatever, but hopefully after we get done with this conversation, it won't feel uncomfortable to talk about some tough things. So thank you for being here. We want to start with the harms of underage drinking and what parents really can do to prevent it with their kids, because I know there are some parents, some adults that think it's not that bad, it's relatively harmless, it's a rite of passage. Maybe it's safer if I let them do that. What would you say, Heidi, to these parents? Is there anything you would want them to know? Absolutely. I think the first thing I'd have them know is that some of these things we've grown up with as traditions, like you referred to the rite of passage. And maybe what was a rite of passage for us when we were teens, the research has caught up to that now to say maybe those same things aren't such a good idea. For example, something that we know is that between the ages of 13 and 20, a child's brain is developing so rapidly to really important executive functions like memory and learning, um, impulsivity, things like that. And so the goal as parents, we want our kids to have a healthy brain so that they can achieve their long-term goals and successes and dreams that way. We know for sure that underage drinking can have a negative impact on that um, long-term. So we really want to protect those growing brains. So there's never a place for the cool parent that is like, it's all right to drink maybe a little. Right. We, we have parents that uh, unfortunately think that if they, you know, offer kids drinks, you know, underage, and as long as they take the car keys away or watch over them, that that's yeah. something safe. But here, like Heidi mentioned, we're talking about the health and development of these kids. So we want to make sure that parents really understand that, you know, alcohol can really affect kids negatively. You know, in fact, we don't know anything good that comes out of underage drinking. Uh, but one of the things we want parents to really recognize is that their brains are, like Heidi mentioned, are still developing, but they're very vulnerable to addiction at a young yeah. age. So we want to make sure they're careful with that. We're so careful with their brains these days, whether it's getting enough sleep or eating the right things or concussions. So this is one more in the list of protecting your child's brain. It's an important thing to have. So why is it so important to be having a back-to-school conversation particularly? I know it's kind of a fresh start. I feel like it's a New Year's of sorts where you're starting over at our house. Is it a good time to kind of refresh with your kids, Doug? It absolutely is. And one of the things that, well, kids, you know, are, are meeting new friends. They're starting with new teachers. It's all a new experience for them. And there might be some anxiety yeah. or, or even there's some excitement for sure. But one of the things we want parents to know is that kids will be forming new friendships. And we want to make sure that parents are aware who those kids are hanging out with. Because the research tells us if, their ki if the kids' friends are drinking alcohol, the chances of them getting involved with alcohol are greatly increased as well. And how young does that start when you need to be thinking about it? Well, you know, the American Association of Pediatrics says mm -hmm. it's not too early to start talking to your kids about the harms of underage drinking at age nine. So I think that's one of the issues we want parents to realize that we don't want them to wait till high school to have some conversations about making healthy choices. Yeah, it's too late. I look back to my high school years here in Utah, and I don't think I ever went to a party. My friends 
weren't the drinking type. I didn't worry about it. But the one time I did go to a party where there was alcohol, I was in seventh grade. I was a very young seventh grader. So parents need to think about that early and often to talk to their kids about where they're going. I'm sure who their new friends are. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the name of our campaign is Parents Empowered. And that's really what we're hoping to do is empower our parents to have these conversations with their kids so that they in turn are also empowered. That can be an intimidating and sometimes overwhelming situation for a teenager to be in that situation yeah. for the first time where they have to make um, that decision on whether or not they're going to use alcohol. So having these conversations early, knowing that parents have set clear rules and maybe even a plan for how they're going to get out of an uncomfortable situation like that can really empower kids to be able to handle that situation with some calmness of mind and and to to not have regrets down the road. So what would you say, I don't know how everyone deals with their kids differently, but I try to make sure that my kids know that if they ever get to some place where they're uncomfortable, there's alcohol, call me, I'm not gonna be mad, I'm gonna come and get you. Yeah. Should this be something that you make clear to your children that you're Absolutely. there to save them? Absolutely, and what we like to say with that is really important to establish a healthy bond with your kids. So be in their world about things that they like to talk about on a regular basis. As a rule of thumb, we say 10 to 15 minutes a day, really engaging with your child about something that interests them that will go a long ways for when you have to have these conversations about alcohol to make it easier and not so authoritarian if yeah. you will and you can make that in conjunction with your child let them know like hey I don't want you to be in this awkward situation and we have this family rule about no underage drinking for the health of your brain yeah. and for the protection of your dreams and your future so what can our plan be together do you want to come up with a code word that you could quickly text me and just know that I'll be there no question to ask but that protecting you in those situations is a top priority as a parent. Absolutely. Yeah. And oftentimes your kids are home alone, Doug. Um, if you have alcohol in your home, the key here is teaching your kids that it's 21 and older. Do you need to lock up your alcohol? Is it good enough just to let you know, the kids know this is not something you get into? What do you do in that situation? It's, it's, a, it's a tough call just because, you know, we won't, don't want to tell parents how yeah. to be a parent, right? So there's different parenting styles, but not a bad idea to make sure you're your alcohol is not accessible. You know, whether it's locking it or just making sure the kids understand this is not for you, it's not going to help you. And I really like what Heidi mentioned about having a plan because one of the, the research topics that we talk about a lot is, you know, most kids in Utah don't drink alcohol, so that's the good thing. But the other thing is, is most kids are going to be approached with alcohol or asked to drink yeah. alcohol. So if you have that plan ahead of time, you know what you're going to say, you know you're going to get out of that situation easily, uh, that's probably the best advice. Some of the statistics say that most underage drinking happens between 3 and 6 p.m. Is this when parents are still at work and kids are already home? Why does that happen? That's exactly it. Kids have that little bit of free time there. They just get off of school. A lot of times the parents are still at work. So, yeah, the research tells us that's a vulnerable period of time of the day. Peer pressure. Let's talk about that. How much does that factor into kids? I think we like to think that our kids aren't pressured by their friends, but even as adults, peer pressure exists. It's there. There's no question, you know, peers, and especially as they get a little older and, you know, into high school and whatnot. Uh, but what we want parents to understand is they are the number one influence, right, over peer pressure. So uh, once parents latch on to that, they know that they can set those rules, like Heidi mentioned, and uh, they're good. Why is it that parents, because I don't think parents think they sometimes get through their kids, so why is it that we think that parents can trump them and what they believe and what they say their kids will listen to. Right. You know, as parents, if we were 
to be asked yeah. who's your greater influ greatest influence. You know, parents overwhelmingly say, oh, it's, it's their friends for sure. That's all they ever listen to. But as Doug mentioned, the research shows over and over again, when we ask kids what the number one reason is, is a parent's disapproval is the number one reason they choose not to drink. So again, it shows, and I think this goes back to that importance of bonding with yeah. our kids because when there is that strong sense of bonding and you know we kind of get a head start there with our kids you know hopefully we're bonding with them from from the day they're born and those relationships are strong and when those rules are in place then um, those kids are more likely to want to adhere to it so I really think a strong sense of bonding is is the why behind that fact. Is it important too to let them know that it's just that you don't I mean, it's not just because it's the law, but I love you and we feed you healthy food because it's good for you yeah. and we don't drink and give them a reason why it's not a great idea yeah, to drink. Absolutely. Talking about the why is so important that they know we're not doing it just to control them yeah. or to be, you know, the meanie head parent, but to say, you know, um, it comes back to those dreams and their futures like you. the most vulnerable organ we have is right here between our ears, right? Yeah. And we know that underage drinking can have a, a severe um, impairing effect to that. So we care about them now. We care about their dreams and their futures. Um, and having these conversations and bonding will go a long way to protect all of that. Perfect. I know that there was a study recently published in the journal Pediatrics that suggests there's two questions a pediatrician can ask their middle school patients that will likely predict whether that child drinks one to three years later. What are those questions? Are they something the pediatrician should be asking? We should be asking, Doug. What are those questions? Well, I like the idea of getting the pediatricians involved. There's, there's some science that said that that's really helpful. But I think as parents, we can ask these questions as well. And the questions are, do you have friends that drink alcohol? And have a little discussion, you know. And we're not talking, talk down to the kids, but a, a conversation yeah. between the two. Uh, but are their friends drinking? Because that increases their chances, again, of drinking alcohol. And then uh, have a nice conversation about their feelings about alcohol and make sure that they understand uh, that it's not going to help them in their lives. So two questions, make sure their friends don't drink, make sure they're not drinking, and have that talk. And sometimes you're surprised by the answers. I know I have a daughter who's going to be a sophomore in college, and over the last couple of years we've been talking about it, and when she tells me, what friends she had that have been drinking or did drink, I've been a little surprised by who her answers were. So sometimes asking those questions and asking them again on a regular basis can't hurt. That makes total sense. And the other thing that we want to make sure parents do is know who their friends are, their child's friends are, and even their parents. So it doesn't hurt to make a few phone calls and make sure that their, their values line up. You uh, both have children and now grandchildren. Is this a conversation you feel like grandparents can be involved in too when they come over to hang out at your house? And when do you start with them? Yeah, absolutely. And back to what Doug said about that magic age yeah. nine seems to be a good time to start having these conversations. What we know is kids start binge drinking as early as sixth grade. So, so that's sometimes crazy. a little earlier than what we like to think as parents. So um, it's important to have those conversations earlier and, and of course grandparents can underscore, reinforce these rules that mom and dad are setting and of course they can be an extra barrier protection when they're taking the time to bond with their kids, um, help reinforce these rules, have fun ac activities with them and talk about their dreams for the future as well.
That's a big, important one. Now, when the doctors ask these two questions we keep talking about, uh, whether uh, your friends drink and do you drink and how often, researchers pose the questions to more than 4,800 teens or adolescents ages 12 to 27 who visited one of the 16 pediatric emergency rooms. They say they later followed up with almost half to inquire about their alcohol use one to two years later, and the students who reported no drinking in the first screening reported the least amount of drinking in subsequent years. Does this mean that they're showing that it works? Yeah, I think it does. The other thing that we look at, too, are what makes kids more vulnerable. So if parents have an acceptable attitude towards underage drinking, that increases the child's chances. And absolutely, if a child has a favorable attitude towards underage drinking, uh, then their likelihood of getting involved yeah. is greatly increased. So we just want to make sure... That's again, like Heidi mentioned, make that clear rule. No underage drinking in our family. Absolutely. And you mentioned, uh, we've been talking about these questions the pediatricians asked and talking to kids, maybe even starting at age nine, which seems younger than you want to be. But how often do you have this? I think parents think that once they have the conversation, that's good enough, or you go to the maturation program and we <laughs> talked about the birds and the bees and it's enough. Is it enough to have this conversation once and just be done with it? Or is this something that has to be a part of the fabric of your family? Yeah, it'd be nice, right? Yeah. If you can check the box and say, did that, I told you when you were three, don't you remember all the rules? Yeah, you know, and especially when we have more than one child. You know, yeah. I know I've been guilty of that as a parent. I, I maybe did what I did really well with the first child. I forgot to do with child number two and three. So you're exactly right, Heidi, in saying that, that these conversations need to be woven into the fabric of our relationships and our regular mm -hmm. conversations with our kids. Um, like we talked about earlier, their environments change, their school settings change, their friends change. So as that happens, and there's so much on their mind, and we understand that this conversation isn't always at the forefront of their mind. So it's important that, that we bring that to the surface and make it a priority so that they're remembering. Absolutely. I was going to just mention, too, you know, we talked earlier about how serious these conversations have to be, and, and they're really not, yeah. you know, a sit-down talk. It might be just a conversation on the way to school or something like that, very casual, and just talk about how their day's going and, and maybe weave in some of these questions mm -hmm. about who's drinking out there, or do you know kids that are drinking? Mm -hmm. So it's a very nonchalant, casual conversation. Way easier than when you sit kids down and make them feel stressful about That's something right. like some big talk of Absolutely. some sort. Yeah. Well, studies also show that age nine, as we've been talking, most kids still have a negative perception of alcohol use. Between the ages of nine and 13, though, studies show those attitudes can become increasingly favorable towards alcohol, and thir 13 years old is probably about eighth grade. That's I have a son that age. And they say nearly four out of five people in treatment for alcohol use disorder say they began drinking alcohol in their adolescence. And that's why alcohol abuse is considered a pediatric onset condition. Do we know why, I see you nodding here, that this is an issue? Is it something that rewires your brain when you're a teenager? That's, that's exactly it. And that's the, that's the research that we discovered. That's why we, we have Parents Empowered, because we discovered the research said that, you know, a teen brain is very vulnerable to addiction. And so when you add alcohol at a very young age, in fact, the chart, uh, the addiction chart is very clear. The earlier you start, the greater the percentage of, you know, chances you're going to have problems later on in life. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about the adolescent brain and how it's developing and how it's vulnerable to alcohol. The numbers are scary. I'm looking at them here, and it says 45% of kids who drink before the age of 13 will become alcohol dependent. So this just means that this is an important conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Just as Doug said, really can't emphasize that enough. The younger they start, the more likely they are to be addicted later 
in life. And you know, sometimes as parents, we think that as our kids get older, that yeah. they need us less. And really, the opposite of that is true. Um, you know, we we are maybe around them less, but those crucial conversations, taking that time to bond, is is just as important. It's so true. I used to think that as a toddler, your kids needed you more and more, and I guess for physical aspects of life. Mm -hmm. But I think emotionally, your kids really need you more the older they get. One of the other scary numbers I was looking at here is 67% of kids who drink before the age of 15 will go also go on to use illegal drugs. This is something that has to be a part of the conversation, too. They go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. And it all goes back to that brain science, right? If we're rewiring that brain for addiction, they're going to be more vulnerable for some of those harder substances as well. How important is it, Doug, to talk to other parents? Do you need to be in conversations with where your kids are hanging out, the parents? Because another number I saw here is that 43% of Utah teens who drank in the last year did so at home, and they did it with the parents' permission. So that means that we're talking about almost half our population where the parents knew about it, they were okay with it, and your kids are probably hanging out at some of these homes. That's really startling stat, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, we're trying to keep kids away from alcohol, yet you have 43% of the parents you know, with kids that drink, are providing it for them. So we want to first make sure parents understand, please do not provide alcohol to your kids. This isn't just about a DUI. That's exactly right. And we're talking about, you know, long-term potential of their kids and how they, how they turn out. So we want to make sure parents don't do that, but also make parents aware this is where kids are getting their alcohol, and they need to be aware of their parents, friends, you know, is there alcohol available, things like that. So check into it. And there's legal ramifications for parents, I understand, as well. So if you're the one providing alcohol, you could end up on the news. We've, we have stories like this sometimes where there's parents who provide alcohol, and then it uh, spirals into worse things at some of these parties. Yeah, it's, it's definitely against the law to provide alcohol to a minor, and the penalties are quite stiff. And like you say, you don't want to end up on the news. <laughs> one year sentence I'm reading and a $2,500 fine and I feel like your parents need you your kids need you there a year in jail doesn't sound very fun to me uh, children who get alcohol from parents are 40% more likely to binge drink when parents aren't around which is scary too because if they're doing drinking a little bit with you and then binging there's no one there to protect them or call for help if they need it yeah absolutely and you know we keep talking brain development, but we know part of what's involved in the later stages of brain development is that cerebral yeah. cortex, you know, where kids can make these decisions. So they're more prone to binge drinking at a younger age. That cutoff switch, and especially if they've been doing it for a while or experimenting with alcohol, um, they can be very vulnerable to that binge drinking. So it's important that they understand the risks there. What is binge drinking? Define that for me for a teenager. Well, for a teenager, first of all, I know what, what it is for an adult. It's yeah. four drinks, you know, at a sitting or five for, uh, five for an adult male. Is that correct? And, I think and that's the right. child, I, I mean, any amount. Yes. It's, it's zero tolerance. For their tiny Utah. bodies, yeah. That's right. I yeah. mean, anytime they're drinking it at all, you know, we consider that just <laughs> not acceptable. Right. Even, even is, ones is over the mark, right? Yeah, I don't know of one because, it, again, any amount leaves a child's brain at risk. So so certainly when they're in that environment and they're they're not choosing to, to abstain from it, they're yeah. having more than they should. We've seen a lot of tragedies with alcohol poisoning too, and and with alcohol, you know, you just there's so many variables that go yeah. into you know what they can tolerate, what they can't, and it's just uh, just not a good situation. 
Scary for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, I know we've talked about this a little, but we want to reinforce uh, before we leave parents on their own to talk to their kids about some of the things they can do. So we've talked about the fact that parents really are the number one reason kids don't drink. So what are the things when you think about your day-to-day -day life that they continue doing? Bonding is the top of the list. So let's talk about what bonding is and how to make this work for parents. Absolutely. You know, we say that word bonding, but what yeah. does it really mean, right? So I like to think in terms of, you know, this is, we all like to feel like warm fuzzies with those that, yeah. that we're connected to, especially in our family. But to give a concrete action item, let's go back to that spending 10 to 15 minutes in your child's world. It can be really easy to sit down at a dinner table, um, talk about our day and feel like we're bonding with our child, right? Yeah. Or taking them to the store or to school and feeling like, oh, there's my 10 minutes. But did we really take the time to ask them the questions that are showing them that we're invested and care about what's going on in their heart and their mind? And that is what where we find the bonding really takes place, is when we're investing in their world, in their thoughts and their opinions. So that's definitely um, an, an action step that will help parents create that. Is dinner time a part of that? We hear for a million different reasons that it's good to have a sit down family dinner as often as you can. I know people have crazy schedules. One's going to soccer, one's going to dance. Yeah. How important is it just to have that whole family conversation? Yeah, so important. So we live in pretty crazy times with yeah. crazy schedules and especially when we have big families, everybody going um, different ways. If we can establish a time where even three or four yeah. times a week that we're sitting down, we're having conversations about underage drinking and a, and a lot of other things, we can create this climate that like Doug referred to, it doesn't have to be this authoritarian, yeah. I'm the parent and I am telling you, you know, this is what you're going to do, but we can establish this culture in our family that we can talk about difficult things with ease, um, that we're involved in their lives, that we care about that, that yeah. we can talk about um, concerns of the day and that all of this can happen just really naturally. And the numbers show that you're 33% less likely to yeah. use alcohol if you do have those family dinners. I know that my kids, I think they find strength in numbers. Sometimes I'll, my daughter who's older won't be around for a while and then all of a sudden when she's back at dinner, my son comes up with all these questions we hadn't heard otherwise. So they feel strength. Did you notice that with your own children that sometimes having the others around gave them a little buffer? It really does. And, and another good thing to think about too is it's a great time to put the phones away and like Heidi mentioned, just have that great conversation. Um, and it's not rocket science, you know, 33% less likely to get involved with underage drinking. Wow, that's a great tool for a parent to have. I mean, you know, just have dinner. And it doesn't necessarily have to be dinner. Maybe it's breakfast. Right. You know, it's, it's not so much the food. It's just the fact that you're getting together as a family. I'm only home for breakfast for my son, so I feel in the clear there. there. You go. <laughs> I can talk to him over scrambled eggs in the Perfect. morning. Yeah. Uh, boundaries is the next one that we want to talk about. And I know that's hard because parents they want to be their child's friend in some regards but you really can't be their friend even though they listen to you you're still their parent right absolutely and, and of course you want to be their friend I mean it depends on how you define friend true first of all you know setting a clear rule that there's no underage drinking in the family that helps kids a lot it makes them understand they know what the expectations are and once they have that it makes it so much easier for them in the future to say no to alcohol. And that's where we go back to call me, text me, do whatever you have to and I'll come save you from whatever you're in. Absolutely. I think something I'd add to that is, you know, setting a boundary gives kids permission to use us as a scapegoat, right? When they're in that awkward situation, like you mentioned, having in junior high where alcohol's there, they have to make a decision. It's a lot easier for them to say, 
my parents don't approve of this and I've got to get out of here. My mom's expecting me. You know, I tell my kids all the time, make me the bad guy if you Absolutely. have to. I will do that. And in that case, I don't want them to think of me just as a friend. I am their parent. I've set a clear rule and they're, you know, more than able to use me as a scapegoat to say, hey, my mom said no, she's actually on her way and I got to get out of here. I love that. Sometimes even as an adult, you need a scapegoat of my yeah. husband is like, I got to get out of here. Yes. I was just going to add one other thing. You know, we look at a lot of research, and, and we look at Utah research as well. And one of the stats that really jumped out to us is that kids that say they don't have a clear underage drinking rule in their family, those kids are drinking just about as much as the kids that said their parents don't even care if they drink. So if you have a strong rule, those kids are not drinking. So Kids don't want to disappoint their parents. You're absolutely right. That's the key. Uh, last but not least, monitoring. You can do this in a whole new way than when we were kids. Our parents would send us off on our banana seat bike and not know where we were for hours <laughs> on end, at least at my house, and then it was dark, they'd yell for you to come home. What do we need to be doing? I mean, you don't want to be a parole officer for your child, but monitoring is important. Yeah, monitoring can kind of have this negative connotation, yeah. right? But if we've bonded well, and if we've set these guidelines with our kids in a way that they're bought into, yeah. monitoring is really just saying, hey, we're still here, we got your back. Yeah. And we're just checking that, you, that you're staying safe. So really good rule of thumb is to ask the five W's. So if we ask our kids who they will be with, where they're going, what they'll be doing, when they'll be home, and then not forget the fifth question, which is will alcohol be present there? Um, that's a really easy way. They can come to expect those questions um, and just know that we're going to follow up with them because, because again, we care about their safety and their health. I love those questions, and every parent can do them. My kids always make fun of me because they say I'm interviewing them and their friends because <laughs> I want to know the who, what, when, where, and why, but they're important questions. They really are, and one of the things that I think is most important about knowing you know what your kids are up to is it sends a message that you care about them yeah. and that's what transcends to the kids and once they understand that um, we talk to a lot of kids that have problems you know that might be uh, uh, in the justice system or something yeah. like that the one thing that is missing often in their lives is they don't have parents that really keep track of them like that so it's a great message to the kids tells them you love them tells them that you care enough about their well-being that you want to know where and they're, what they're up to. That's it. Now, parents, when they get done listening here, if they still have questions because they feel like they need a little training wheels as they go on and talk to their kids, sometimes we need a reminder and to brush up because things change as your kids get older and you have younger children. Where can parents go to find more answers? Sure. We've got a terrific website. It's parentsempowered.org. Lots of details there, you know, lots of resources and tools. What are some of the specific things that parents can look for and click when they get to that website? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of the stats we've talked about today, okay. the data and the research is all there, but they're going to find practical tips and tools too. Um, practical things on how they can bond with their kids. A reminder of what those five W's are when we're monitoring. And again, the importance of setting those clear rules with their kids' buy-in um, and lots of skills that will support those very important action steps. Can you just let your kid go to the website and look up all the information <laughs> or is that a big no too? You know, the important thing to remember here is this campaign is parents empowered because we know it's that bond between the parents and the child that's really going to make the difference there. So as we take the time to do that, we're not only empowering ourselves, but then in turn empowering our kids as well.
Awesome. So something to make it easy. If only we, you would have had the internet like um, for our parents so they could just go Google and have lists. So look at us. <laughs> so right. much easier for our kids now. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Anything you'd want people to know before we leave them for the day? Any wise words? Well, Heidi, why don't you take, take the lead there? <laughs> Again, I think just remember that, you know, with all of the things that in our kids' worlds, so many things that they're stressed and worried about, taking that time to be with them, hear them, taking the time to bond with them, so super cru crucial. Make sure this conversation about underage drinking does not fall off the radar because there are a lot of important things to talk about. So let's just make sure that we keep that one on the table as well. Perfect. Pun intended. Yes. <laughs> so uh, good luck with all of the back to schooling. I know back to school starts tomorrow at my house if you're already underway. I hope it's going well. Have a conversation with your kids and keep having that conversation. Thank you so much for joining us, both of you. And again, that website, parentsempower.org.